happy Super Bowl Sunday to you, sir. Same to you, man. Same to you. It's uh, an exciting time around here, huh? Yeah, all things considered, it is a, a classic kind of football Sunday in a lot of ways. It's cold out. It's the last game of the season. Everyone's trying to wrangle up their wing plans <laughs> and their strategy on how to come across their own supply, if you will. Uh, I know I have mine uh, all ordered up. I'm going to be picking them up here in a little while. Can't wait. What about you? Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a good day to just kind of hunker down, watch some European football, then the old Super Bowl, the Superb Owl, the final game. But uh, I do have my wings secured as well, but I will be doing them at home. Uh, a little homemade lemon pepper. Ooh. Throwing them in the oven, so trying out a new uh, new little process. So I'll send you a picture. I'll let you know. Uh, I'll let you know how they turn out. Yeah, you better. Whoa, aggressive. Sorry, I mean, yeah, you better, dude. I'd like that. <laughs> all, right, all right, wrong tone. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thanks. You're coming at me <laughs> all bad. wrong. I, 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 I always get that mixed up. Dang it! I learned that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I figured it's uh, about time we hop back on and. Uh, Kind of get caught up on the last like three four weeks of uh, soccer soccer over there in England and uh... let's do it. I agree. Uh, I suppose that uh, given what we've talked about all these other weeks, we might as well stick with that uh, momentum of subject matter. And uh, it's been let's see, re- last time we recorded was a little bit after. The new year, so we were kind of getting past the uh, famous festive fixture season. Uh, it was really good viewing for kind of that cozy Christmas couch season and all of that good stuff. But we've gotten uh, just a, almost exactly a month since that time. And so, uh, if you don't mind, how about you uh, lay on us what happened uh, with your Manchester United? Excellent, man. I appreciate it. Um... You're welcome. I think first we'll just hit where we're at right now on the table. Uh, Sitting second, 45 points, uh, five points behind City, uh, who do have a game in hand. So I'm uh, I'm not complaining. Although obviously we uh, we could be a little bit better uh, once we start looking at some of the fixtures and the results over the past month. Um, I'll probably touch on some key areas where we drop points, which is kind of creating the. the gap that we have right now, not to mention City just absolutely wrecking it in general. So, um, doing pretty well. Yeah. What is it? Uh, four, I think 14 after this morning's 4 1 thrashing of Liverpool. It is uh, 14 unbeaten, mm. I believe. So, even though they've had more recent success, it seems like it's getting back to tradition of the last. You know, what we've been seeing in the Premier League is that City have been a mainstay at the top. They might have had a blip this season, but we've talked about how that's just such an easy explanation of the weird year that we've gone through in the world in 2020 and just having new guys come in and needing to flush out chemistry-wise. And sure enough, we're getting back to they just have that built-in quality that is undeniable and they're just starting to click and we're seeing it in the results like what you mentioned yep and uh i would say you know the fact that they're doing it right now without de bruyne without aguero um speaks to how good of a squad they have yeah you're exactly right um clearly the best team in the league right now and without i mean i would say definitely without their best player in de bruyne but you know aguero is no slouch as well so yeah it'll be interesting and uh we'll see um I don't know if you know anyone's going to have the wherewithal to be able to catch him. Um, you know, I think we we're in a prime position. I, I guess a more prime position out of any of the teams there to catch him. But um, when we see things like we saw from United yesterday, um, it's going to be hard to do that. But uh, I guess just looking back over the fixtures um, from about a month ago. 
I think the first one that we had after we recorded last was the 0-0 draw to Liverpool. Uh, that was a league match. Um, they kind of dominated the first half. I felt like we were the better team in the second half. Uh, Pogba missed a really good chance, like the 83rd, 84th minute. But, uh, you know, overall, I, I'm happy with that result, drawing Liverpool. Um, I'm good with that, even though, obviously, they're in a little bit of a slump right now. But uh, I was good with that. Um, after that, we had Fulham. Uh, that was a 2-1 win, which we came from behind, which uh, is a, a common theme for us this season, especially away from home. Fulham got a really early goal, I think fourth, fifth minute in that match, and then uh, we ended up bagging two, one in the first and the second, I believe. So um, next up was January 24th, the old 3-2 win against Liverpool to knock them out of the FA Cup. Um I would say that would be my favorite win out of the last month, but there's another another little match that I'll get here <laughs> that happened this week that uh, kind of trumped it. But it's always good to, uh, you know, after the nil-nil draw with Liverpool, I felt like we're starting to get to that level where we can play with them again and be competitive and then to, to turn around and beat them 3-2 and knock them out of the FA Cup was a good good feeling. And then came the kind of dreadful week. So we played on January 27th and January 30th. And this is where, when I touched on the pointing out where the massive points drop was, um, Wednesday the 27th, we lost to last place Sheffield United, uh, two to one. Um, yeah. Terrible performance all around. I, I just, it was kind of back to that United that I'd seen over the last couple seasons where there just wasn't a lot of ambition. There wasn't a lot of, we know we're going to go out and thrash them, you know, um, not a lot of aggression. And I wonder, you know, if part of it was kind of what you touched on of that was kind of the end of that holiday run of matches where they were playing every two to three days for a month, month and a half. And if they just kind of ran out of gas, um, I don't know, but that was then followed up with a 0-0 tie to our favorite team, Arsenal, um, <laughs> which it was pretty much the same type of performance. Honestly, I felt like we played better against Sheffield than we did against Arsenal. And I know that sounds weird because one was a loss and the other was a tie. But again, it was just kind of ooh, that I don't, just uninspired, unmotivated I don't even really know how to describe it. It's just those weird matches when you watch them as a fan, you're just like, what I, what do you guys get paid to do type of thing? You know what I mean? Yeah, there's almost like a collective doldrums that sets in where there aren't enough conscious characters on the field at the same time continuously demanding more from each other within the moment. Like, you know, those those generals on the pitch that you want, you know? Those are a specific profile. You guys had them in abundance for a while during your successful run. And so I think that there's ebbs and flows of not only the population of those characters within the game in any given generation, but then within any given generation, you have a limited supply. And then if you're uh, doing things the right way. If you have one to begin with, maybe you can cultivate more. But I, again, I always lean heavily into that factor of any any club of that, you know, that kind of intangible chemistry and mindset of culture that is lived and breathed from day to day, not even just within the match, but even around the club grounds and, and training pitch, it's something that is a very big thing to consider of the behind-the-scenes notions of what leads to success. But uh, I think that there's ways that it can be tweaked really easily and you know, kind of flipped on its head, but a lot of it comes down to individuals making a lot of their own mindful choices and then doing it collectively as well to build that type of, I don't know, group think that you almost want to occur as often as possible throughout the Premier League season. And you guys are in second place. You guys are within technically grasp position wise, but 
it's fine margins in this season. There's a lot for the taking, and I think that not all is lost, and there's still plenty of time, but yeah. Well, and not to cut you off, but I think there's a part of us as fans, like we get spoiled when our teams go on good runs, right? Because we think like we get that in the back of our head that they're not capable of having that performance where they just maybe don't click or they're just a little uninspired that day or, you know, it just, it's sports, you know, there's times where you just come out and flop and it's just the way it is. And it's a good enough league where if you don't play well on any given day, anyone can beat you. And that's what happened with us, um, those two games. But I will say uh, this week was a little bit better and as I was referring to earlier, there was only one match maybe that was my favorite over us knocking Liverpool out of the FA Cup. And that was Tuesday of this week, the old 9-0 thrashing of Southampton. Southampton. Southampton? Southampton. Southampton. <laughs> Southampton. Um, the Saints. It was exactly what the doctor ordered, man. It was what we needed after that kind of bland week before... Um, we got a little bit lucky. Obviously, they got a red card. I think it was 74 seconds, 79 seconds into the match. It's a tough Premier League debut for uh, a young guy. And, you know, Southampton, to their credit, they are known for giving chances to their academy players and, you know, younger transfer prospects brought in. Uh, Jankovic, just bad tackle, heat of the moment, probably rush of blood to the head you know the first few minutes playing against one of the biggest clubs in the world and so bad tackle for sure but it it just kind of set the tone man um and you know obviously you always want whether it's a goal or something like that not that you want a red card but whether it's something like that that happens so early it just completely changes the complexion of the game and um what i really loved is we were full press ahead um, the moment after that happened. And uh, one of my favorite things, and this can only be heard now because there's no crowd there, even though they're pumping in crowd noise, you can hear you can hear the coaches in the sideline a lot more clear. And uh, it was in the 80th minute, and we were up two, four, six, nothing at that point. Yeah, six, nothing at that point. And you could hear Oli shouting like, we have 10 minutes left. I want more goals. Score more goals. And we ended up scoring three more goals. It's not that thing where, hey, we want to show this team up or we want to be disrespectful or anything like that. I think he was thinking about the two performances that we just noted in the previous week. And it's this thing of like, you, it's never good enough, right? Like that's what makes teams great is you never settle. And I feel like that's what United's done a lot since Ferguson left seven, eight seasons ago, where it's this thing of like, ah, whatever. It it just kind of is what it is. And I know they want to win and they're spending money and all of these sort of things, but you got to have this mentality that, you know, you, uh, to a lack of a better term, put these teams out of, out of misery. Put them to the sword. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And, uh, you know, to end up bagging nine goals and see everyone happy and, you know, Daniel James getting in, getting a late goal. Uh, all that sort of stuff. We got goals from a lot of different people. Um, it was, again, exactly what the doctor ordered. So, And lastly, I guess I'll just touch on the uh, the heartbreak that was yesterday. Um, so 3-3 draw to Everton. Obviously, Everton, quality squad, the whole thing. But uh, two up 2-0 at halftime, two beautiful goals, um, two really good team goals. I felt great. And then uh, in the span of three minutes to start the second half, Everton bags two goals. Uh, completely changes the complexion of the game. McTominay ends up scoring number three, so we're up 3-2. Um, going to four minutes of extra time. Uh, I guess I could complain about this, but I won't. Um, four minutes of extra time, and then Calvert-Lewin scores hmm. in the sixth minute of extra time um, on a terrible, terribly defended set-piece goal um, and literally just broke our hearts right at the end of the match. You know, we still got a point against a good team, but we completely, you know, I, I talked to Pete a little bit yesterday. I felt like we dominated 99.7% of that match, but that three minute span where we gave up the two goals in the very last play of the game, we looked terrible. And uh, it, it always, it always hurts to lose a game like that. I know you guys 
kind of went through a similar thing earlier this season, and it just hurts, especially when you know you're the better team and you've played better than your opponent. Yeah, it reminds you of just how simple and straightforward this game really is, despite all of the you know, ways in which we show the quality that we have that the other team doesn't. Sometimes it just comes down to those straightforward, concise chances that, for whatever reason, they just happen in very short periods of time, and it just leads to the end result of a goal totally against the run of play. We've seen that numerous times in this league. It's the double-edged sword of playing in a league that demands so much quality from you to begin with, and then at the same time, that means that any club sometimes can string it together and you know make it hurt, especially toward the top of the table. So, definitely one of those matches where you know for a neutral it was great, you know six goals, but um, it, it's definitely a scoreline that is from the outside looking in, not really reflecting of you know what was within the ninety minutes. So. Yep. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I can sit there and say, you know, dominating this percentage of the match, or I could sit there and say, well, it was the 96th minute and there was four extra minutes. Like, at the end of the day, like, our defense wasn't good enough. And, like, that's why I, you can't make excuses when you give up the type of goals we gave up yesterday. And I'll read you this comment that Ole made after the match, and I just I think it's very, very relevant to the current situation at United, especially because we have made a lot of progress. But yesterday is just one of those indications where it's just like, yeah, we're not there yet. We're just not, you know? And the comment was, word for word, we shouldn't even be considered as title chasers. We've got better as a team and see and see where we end up in the table, obviously. And then we need to stop conceding easy goals. I think my biggest thing is a true title contender doesn't lose that match yesterday. They don't lose that match in the way that they lost it, and the fact that United's defense has given up 12 goals from set pieces this year proves to me that this defense is not good enough to contend for a title. There's just no two ways about it. And I look at what we're doing offensively now. Cavani's been a godsend coming in, and he's teaching these young kids how hard you got to work and how you got to have correct spacing and how you always got to think you know, one to two steps ahead of where you actually need to be. So we're at a point now, and I know the 9-0 against Southampton helps a lot, but we've scored the most goals out of any team in this league. I'm fine with where we're at offensively, but the, it's time for the defense to catch up. And I don't know what it is or what needs to be done. I have an idea. I feel like we're fine with Shaw and Juan Basaka at our wingbacks. They both played fantastic. Shaw had his either four, definitely fourth, possibly his fifth assist of the season, so he's doing very well defensively, and now he's contributing offensively. Juan Basaka scored uh, on Tuesday, so that's his second goal of the year. I just, that center pairing of Maguire and Lindelof, it's just, it's not going to get it done. It's just not, and we've talked about Maguire before. I also look at Lindelof, and I just wonder, is he good enough to be at this a club like this, you know? And it was a Mourinho buy, and I really didn't mind it. He's had some very, very good runs of matches. But there's this thing when you can see when he's isolated and by himself, there's this frantic thing of like, oh, what do I do? How do I defend? Like all of these sort of things. And as you know, like that's the thing that separates you from being a good defender to an elite defender, right? Like I get staying in team shape and all of that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, we pay you money. So if you're one-on-one with a player, you're stopping them, you know? And I I just, I don't feel like either one of them are good enough, but I, I don't know. And I hate to just say, go out and spend money and get defenders. But when your offense is doing what we're doing right now, and clearly the weakest part of our team is the defense, mainly our center backs. I don't, I mean, the answer is, to go get better center backs, you know? Especially when you have the offensive talent that is in this league, you have to match it with the inverse quality of the defensive side where 
you know, you have the guys that have trained themselves to know how to make those types of decisions, to understand the different possibilities that an attacker can take in different situations, but then to know how to limit those situations to begin with, with their positioning. And it's just a, a really big internal, uh, you know, chess kind of configuration that they keep with themselves in terms of knowing when it's just about spacing and then knowing when it's about action. And that's, again, the different echelon that every team is looking to plug into the heart of their defense. We saw Liverpool, they did it um, with Van Dyke, and now we're starting to see it with City and uh, Ruben Diaz. He has essentially just slotted right in to one of the top sides in the entire world, and he is making that back line his own and connecting Ederson to the rest of the team. And you can't really, you know, shake a stick at that. That's just something to admire. That's its own, you know, level of talent, and you don't get to see it too often, and especially in the modern game, and you have to welcome it. And ideally, I hope that he has a bad game against your club. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, and that's a great example. And uh, I, I guess we can kind of joke for a second, or a second, like, "Hey, congratulations, Pep! You finally got it right after spending seven hundred, eight hundred million on defenders, and you finally figured, you finally got the one guy." Yeah. And it honestly, like, money wise, he's probably fourth or fifth on the list as far as total spent to get him, and he has been an absolute beast. Um, I may even say the best center defender in the league right now. Um, especially on current form, you know, and uh, obviously Van Dyke being hurt helps that argument. Um, but I guess just overall, man, and to kind of round out the United thing, I'm not, I mean, we're 23 matches in, we're in second place and five points out of first. Like I'm not mad by any means, you know, I feel like this is the best I've seen us play. And I know I said this the last recording, this is the best we've played collectively as a club since Ferguson retired. And you can tell there's a, mentality a camaraderie a gelling effect that we have right now that makes you get to the next level and i'm happy with that you know how can you not be do we need to improve on defense we do and is that a personnel change or them figuring something out i i don't know hopefully they'll get it figured out but for one for once man other than Mourinho's first season where we finished second i actually feel confident about where we're at, what we're doing, the style of play we're doing, and just beating the teams that we're beating. Yeah, we're still having these kind of one-off, like bad performances and stuff like that. But I actually feel confident with the way that we're headed. So, which I guess will kind of be a good segue to getting into the the Spurs side of things because uh, there's been a little bit of some rocky road, little bumps in the road the past month or two and i'm starting to see some griping from the fan base a little bit um not you obviously andrew but i guess uh let's kind of talk about spurs and where things are at right now yeah i'm notoriously slow to gripe about things i'm sometimes patient to a fault and uh not an alarmist um and i definitely enjoy the the longer haul approach to uh, club operation and giving a manager enough time um, and really taking context into consideration. And so uh, Mourinho, you buy him for, it's really cool, buy him, you hire him uh, for a reason, uh, given his, you know, CV uh, in his past. And you can't have him come in halfway through one season and then just in his first full season start making absolute calls about his future we're starting to see albeit sometimes anemic offense and really worrying individual errors just at high pressure moments there's still a really strong core of people that are going to be around and with the right 
improvements, not really offensively, um, but more so just heart of the defense and a right back still. Uh, Serge Aurier has been a marked improvement from his previous seasons, but I think that what's really holding us back is still just someone who will dominate both sides of the ball on a consistent basis uh, because if you can get that position nailed on, then that's just another true offensive threat in the final third, um, and especially in transition. But aside from that, um, I'm not in the Mourinho out camp. Um, I'm frustrated with how his approach to certain matches have been, uh, especially when it seemed so effortless at certain stretches in the season. But really, looking over the last month or so since we recorded, uh, we've gotten four wins, a draw, and three losses. Those three losses all came back to back to back, which in this world, especially in this sport, is an eternity in the media headlines. You give newspapers and uh, you know, TV commentators 21 days uh, to talk about you know, the top teams in the top league in the world, they'll be able to alchemize anything that could be going on at a club, whether it's true or just some weird game of telephone line that went astray, which is often the case with a lot of these rumors that get shared and spread and just a lot of the times come to nothing. So it really hurt to have those losses come back to back to back. And especially with two of the three coming against direct rivals in Liverpool and Chelsea. So that's another way in which those losses get compounded into something more than just the three potential points lost. It's put into title contention, conversations, and dreams, whichever way that you're involved with that topic. It's something where we show amazing quality when we get the first goal, and then we're able to be on the front foot, but there have obviously been times where even with that, we'll give up a goal after sitting back. It's not something I can deliver an ultimate judgment on because I'm not behind the scenes, I'm not with them. I know that there's enough quality at this club to make a top four push, at the very least at this moment. It's easy to forget that Giovanni Lo has been out for a few months, and he's been a bit of a frustrating transfer. He shows glimpses, but then gets a bit derailed. And with him, it's hard to not start orbiting toward the thought process that he's Lamella 2.0, where he's a young, gifted Argentine player who has very fluid, unique movement on the ball in possession but then just picks up these injuries that don't really go away and affect his play style. So it'd be nice to have a true full squad. Uh, Sergio Reguilon is also out. Harry was out for a couple matches that were ones where we obviously could have used him. He's one of the top two strikers in the world. Can I can I ask you this? Because I, I wanted to wait for a break to ask you this, but then he brought up Harry being injured. Is there, in this league, is there another player who's more important to his team than Harry Kane? And I, I, I say that in the sense, and I do, I do want your answer, but I say that in the sense that, to me, when I watch you guys, you are a completely different team with that man on the field. And I get it. He is a world-class player, so inherently, yes, that. But try and think of another guy in this league who's more important to his team than Harry Kane. It's going to be 
tough. Maybe to maybe Bruno. I, I, Bruno is in that conversation. Another one that honestly came to mind, surprisingly enough, is Jack Grealish with mm-hmm. Villa. Oh, that's a he that's a very good pick. Drives that team. He is one of the most gifted attacking midfielders, not only in England but in Europe. He could start at a lot of top clubs sure. around the continent. I'd take him and. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's for us, it's a bit of a sour taste just because Spurs were very much in the running for his signature, but this was back when we were being much tighter with our funds given our focus of building our stadium. And so we were at a point where we were being notoriously low with our offers, as Daniel Levy is shrewd businessman. He very much is, and it's been to our benefit in different ways. Oh, for sure. The years, but he's one this, of the be- one of the best in the league at it. For no sure. Doubt. But it's a double-edged sword, and this was a situation where it worked against us. We had an offer on the table, and then Villa at the time had been going through financial troubles, and then at that point in time, in that transfer window, I believe it was a Chinese consortium came in and basically gave them a huge uh, influx of funds to keep them in the black, keep them from possibly going into administration at the very least, something to that effect. One of those uh, big existential threats to a club that is trying to stay solvent in one of the top leagues in England, which even if it's not the Premier League, there's a lot of money in the championship still. So they came in. And then Villa didn't need to sell anymore. Mm-hmm. And Grealish at that point in time, this would have been, I think, around the 15, 16, 16, 17 season. Uh, they didn't need to sell anymore. They were able to keep him. They were able to foster his growth. It's his hometown club. So he's very much their own talisman. And... Yeah, exactly. I would take him in a heartbeat, but at this point in time, it'd, it'd be tough with, without a lot of money and without them being in danger of being in a, in a, in a drop. So. Yeah. Well, and uh, that's a very good pick, man. And uh, I think you, you see the point that I'm making, though, with Kane. And like even this morning, you guys just look like a completely different team. And I'm sure it's a confidence thing, knowing that you got him out on the field. It's a world-class striker. It's all of these. It's probably a combination of things, but... Uh, it's just tough, man, and he takes, you know, he takes a couple knocks a season because obviously, I mean, defensive aggressively goes after the guy. So, um, yeah, exactly, and that's just the way that this game is put together is because it is, um, you know, a fluid game of eleven individuals on the on the field, and they all have to make their own real time decisions and. Some guys just make better real-time decisions on a more consistent basis throughout key points of the match more often than others, and that's how it's always been with any market, any talented pool of anything in the world. There's just a a bit of a spectrum. And pivoting back to the topic of guys that basically make the team look different whenever they're in it, it's funny enough I'm bringing up this topic because in the Premier League we've never been without him, so we can't really say that we don't look the same without him, but we know how crucial he is. I keep singing this guy's praises. It's Pierre-Emile Hoybier. He has played 100% of our minutes in the Premier League. His only breaks have been in other cup competitions that we're in, but he's been one of the best buys that we've had in the last five years easily. And it's just guys like that that are often misunderstood in terms of their role, of how they are so integral to how we play. And just given what I said in terms of him being a 100% Premier League minute player so far this season, knock on wood, by the way, God bless you, Pierre, keep you strong. Uh, If I could do voodoo and give you the, (laughs) the health of my joints and transfer it to you, uh, I'd do that. You and Harry, you guys can divvy it up as you will. <laughs> I don't really need them for sports anymore, so it's fine. Uh, yeah, it. when I was watching a match, he got taken down in a hard challenge, and 
Lee Dixon, former Arsenal player, said that he was beginning to be of the mind that uh, Hoybier, he goes down too easy. <laughs> like, oh, really? Why, why do you think that? Because uh, another human being carrying mass in a physical contact sport kind of ran into him while he was standing <laughs> up. And so I, I know it's a novel concept that he might not want to go down, but that guy also just, it's a physics thing at that point. And to say that about a guy who, again, is always out there for every single match, driving the midfield, it just shows that sometimes I feel commentators rely on archive stuff to throw out there, especially if they're from an older generation where it says, great, congratulations, you were involved in tackles that shredded your ankles, that doesn't prove merit. You were subject and victim to a lesser quality of the game at that point in time because there weren't the standards, and you can't hold that over modern players because, yeah. And the game changed, right? Like, the game changed. It's a different game than it was in the 80s than it is in 2021. It's less rugby style. Yeah, it definitely is, and probably for the better, and like we all know every player out there, if they have a chance to be able to to get a, a foul on someone, they're going to try and do it, right? But then there's the other category of people that blatantly go down and blatantly dive and blatantly do these things. And he's not that type of guy. He's just not. He's not that type of player. And uh, the commentators, it is what it is. Um, you know, sometimes you got to say stuff to try and be quote-unquote controversial or whatever. And you know, I'm sure, and I know you mentioned it for a reason, him being a former Arsenal guy. I'm sure there's part that plays into it, too. So, even though it shouldn't, but I don't know. I just, I remember us talking about when you guys bought him and how we talked about it. It was the perfect Mourinho buy. And it just, it does not surprise me in the least bit that he's played 100% of the minutes in the Premier League. It's exactly what he wanted. We compared him to Modic in his Chelsea days. Um, when Mourinho was there, and you can see it's the same exact sort of player. It's that anchor you need in the middle. So, Yeah, I mean, I'm starting to worry that I'm sounding like a broken record. I mean, you could start calling my end of this podcast the Hover Hoybier <laughs> Hour, Hover Hoybier Half Hour. And I guess, yeah, so part of me, yeah, we've had a, a bit of a lukewarm run of results in the last month but again going back to four wins a draw and three losses and you know one of those was a a cup win but it propelled us into yet another stage yet so long as i know that there are guys like hoybier harry obviously sunny all kind of being out there and giving it their all there's always the potential and it's easy to say oh you lost three in a row something's wrong okay yeah maybe some things are wrong but there's still a lot going right we're currently in seventh place but we have a match in hand it's against manchester city it's away however with a win we go into fifth on goal differential. Well, and that's the thing. And I, you know, you go back and look at it and I know we live in the, the world now of social media and knee jerk reactions and all of that, but it's like you guys lost three matches over six days. And two of those three losses were to Liverpool and Chelsea. Like the sky is not falling. Like, and especially taking into account and mentioning that Chelsea are also probably a bit on a new manager kick as well. Uh, Just as an aside, uh, Chelsea having filled their vacant manager position with uh, Thomas Tuchel, who had been managing uh, PSG, uh, where Mauricio Pochettino took over, who we had mentioned on our last episode. And Tuchel, uh, before PSG, had a lot of success with Dortmund, in Germany. So he's definitely made uh, a bit of uh, a red carpet stroll uh, westward across 
Europe, if you think about it, Germany to France, and now northwesterly to England. And another quick funny thing about him going there, which you may have seen this as well, is that he went on the record in the past, possibly when he was with Dortmund, that he felt a need to be invested with a club that was invested in style and the virtues of the beauty of the sport. Style, etc., flowing football. He mentioned Ajax and Barcelona and even brought up uh, Spurs as well. And in the same breath, he had said, I would have difficulty with the Chelsea's of the world where they're so results-oriented that they don't allow for a personality to really come forward. So I guess people change. I'm not going to judge him for that, but it is just funny that he did wind up at Chelsea. So that was, again, one of the ways that could have contributed to that potential loss. But yeah, fine margins in this league. Yeah, and maybe Chelsea figured they would... uh bring in a German manager to get their two German record signings over the summer that are absolutely flopping right now in Timo Werner and Kai Havertz to actually be able to contribute. Because I think Havertz has one goal at this point, and Werner hasn't scored in like 13 straight matches. So He hasn't scored in the league at all this yeah, season. Yeah, and it's, I, I, I like both players. I rated both players, but obviously Lampard wasn't getting the best out of them. And um, the thing, too, about... The Chelsea situation, and Gary Neville called this the the moment they hired Tuchel was, all right, well, I can't wait for a year and a half to two years from now where they're sacking him because they're not winning the league. And I think I saw it. It's the, I want to say, either 12th or 14th manager at Chelsea since Abramovich has owned the club, which is insane, right? It's musical doors at the, or musical chairs at this point. Musical doors, <laughs> musical doors. Yes, musical. I do chairs. like the musical doors. I know. Me too. Hey, mm. I'm a big Doors fan myself. Look yeah. at that. We learn something new every day. Hey, um, but I, I guess to kind of round out or make a comment on the Mourinho situation, you're exactly right. It's too early. He hasn't even had a full season. You guys still have a great opportunity to get to four in the top four. You know what I mean. Um, if Harry stays healthy, you guys are a top four team. There's no doubt about it. And it's just, you don't fire a guy halfway through a season. Like you don't do it, especially someone with his pedigree. Like you just don't, you know? And we're still in all three of our cup competitions. We're in the cup final of the league cup. Currently we're still in the FA cup. Our next match actually is an FA cup match on Wednesday, the 10th, against Everton, away. Uh, And we're also still in the Europa League. We are playing Wolfsberg, not to be confused with Wolfsburg. (laughs) So Wolfsberg is in the Austrian Bundesliga, and Wolfsburg is in the German Bundesliga. So please uh, get your vowels correct uh, when you're talking about which Wolfsberg I'm playing. Right. <laughs> Thank you, by the way, for the clarification. I'm sure that Wolfsberg might appreciate it more than you do, but then, yeah. <laughs> no, I, re- I remember even when the draw happened, I was like, oh, that's a decent draw. And then I saw the logo and the draw, and I was like, wait, that's not German Wolfsburg. And then I looked it up. Um, but yeah, like you guys, our next match is on uh, Tuesday for the FA Cup against West Ham. So should be interesting. The old Moyes just pulled Jesse Lingard over there, and they're actually playing really well this season. So good for Jesse Lingard. I was happy. I was happy to see him score two goals and an assist his first first match. And the guy just wants playing time, and you can't fault that. And uh, it's he always it. it always. And he's not fully gone yet. I get that, but that kid's been with the club since he was eight, seven or eight years old. You know what I mean? He stuck through it. He won us an FA Cup with. Uh, probably my favorite goal that he's ever scored. And I just, he deserves playing time. I don't know if he's good enough to be a regular player on United's squad right now, but I'm happy that, you know, West Ham scooped him up. And then I was even happier to see him show out in his first game. I love that guy. I always have. So great attitude, just great attitude on life, just a good human being and takes a lot of flack for quote unquote, not being good enough. But you know, 
uh, there's a reason he's been at the club for 20 years. So, yeah, I mean, those are like heartbeat guys in a club again, like even though he's not playing with your 11 right now, he's still a guy that will keep the culture of United alive mm-hmm. in a way, uh, just whether or not he's, you know, playing for you guys. You know, he can bring uh, the quality of that, you know, uh, learning through their academy. I mean, he can't play against you because he's on loan, so that's yep. another way in which it, it benefits you. Um, well, yeah, and he's getting he's getting now playing time with the top four side. like. And Euro's coming up as well. Mm-hmm. You can't fault him for wanting to, at the very least, keep his international career yeah, in and, check and alive. Uh, dude, I'm being completely honest with this too. He, I think he had one or two appearances for us this season. Like he deserves to be able to go play somewhere. You know what I mean? So, um, like I said, I, I've always, always loved the guy. He has the right attitude about life and football. And, uh, you know, he's been through some tough personal stuff in the past year to year and a half as well that, you know, everyone just seems to overlook and forget that, you know, we've talked about this before. These guys are humans. Like, there's stuff that affects them off the field that then affects the way that they perform on the field. And I know as fans, we like to say, well, you should just be able to forget all that and you step on the field and you should be great. But it's again, at the end of the day, man, like money or talent or whatever, like at the end of the day, these guys are real people. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you know, you can kind of see a parallel with us in Deli Alley where he hasn't featured very much for us this season. And, uh, it's easy to forget that last year he was robbed at his home. Mm-hmm. People broke into his home, robbed them at knife point, I believe, threatened their lives, all that, took a lot of his stuff. And obviously it's in this modern world we can all say, oh, he can just replace that stuff. But yeah, your feeling of safety is compromised at that point in time and that just affects what you can say is your mojo from week to week, uh, just even going into training, just because you're not, you know, feeling comfortable in your own space. And yeah, it's those subtle things that can really contribute in very real ways to these guys. And uh, with them being so instrumental to the clubs, you need to give them space and you need to forgive them for not producing like an asset. It's, it's, you, you have to have some variance and some tolerance built in that they're going to come good. You need to give them space. You need to have a dialogue with them. And with us, we didn't send Delhi on loan. There were concrete, you can't really say rumors are concrete, but there were very oh, solid yeah. rumors. The PSG, uh, especially. Exactly. There, especially with Pochettino being mm-hmm. back there. But from what we were uh, reading, we weren't going to budge until we had a replacement. And there would be people who would say, oh, you, you're worrying about getting a replacement for a guy who hasn't played for you? Well, yes, exactly, because we have him just in case we actually do need him. And God forbid, worse comes to worse, you know, we have we get thin in attacking midfield areas. And he's obviously not preferred right now. That's unfortunate. We want to get him back to where he is in regular rotation and contention for starting spots. But we're still going to have him as we may need him in case our other preferred options aren't available. So yeah, we were looking for a guy to bring in that we could use before we full on wrote him off for the rest of the season. And then we're in an emergency situation looking at Paris wanting to get him back, but we can't. So it's something where I now read that Mourinho has had some talks with Delhi. There has been some progress and he is still going through some you know, remaining injuries that just won't really go away. He's had hamstring issues in the past, and those are really sensitive, and they can tweak really randomly. And when you're playing in a forward attacking spot, it's all this 
crazy formulas that you have to remember with human beings and playing a physical sport. Definitely. So, yeah, basically the the lay of the land in terms of um, going over the last month is that last month comprised the transfer window, which explains Jesse Lingard going to West Ham and the rumors of Delhi potentially going to Paris. But that window's now closed, and now we're we're locked in for the the home stretch. Uh, there's about 15 matches left for everyone. We have 16 that match in hand, and so yeah, 45 available points, which is plenty of wiggle room for movement in those uh, four spots up there. Well, three spots now that City is showing there stake on at least one of those yeah i would say uh the one guarantee I, I not to win the league but the one guarantee to finish top four has got to be city right now with the way they were playing and i would say if if i'm putting money on a team at this moment today to win this league i would have to have to put it on with city and we talked about it earlier the way they're playing without de bruyne and you know putting it to liverpool today the way they did it's just uh yeah, they look good, and they—I mean—they should be right. They—they've invested in their squad. They got a lot of talent. Like, they're everything's clicking for them right now. So, um, hopefully, they start clicking for both of us as well. I want one of those top four spots. Yeah. Yep. And I think Some both silverware. both of us know that we have a strong enough squads to finish in the top four. We do. I look at. Um, I don't think West Ham's going to last. Leicester, I think, probably is going to be there till the end. Um, Liverpool is on this weird, weird thing right now where I don't, I don't know what was it after today. I think I told you it was first time they've lost three matches at home in like 58, 59 years. Um, obviously never done it in the premier league. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I know they're a strong enough squad, but the way they've looked this past month, it's just, uh, it's just odd, you know. And um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun ride the rest of the way. I'll say that much because uh, I think you look at one through eight right now, and any of those teams could finish in the top four. So for sure, yeah, it's gonna be a fun, fun, fun ride till the end. So absolutely. So um, we'll reconvene again. Uh, I'm. I have some wings I'm going to go get in a little bit. I'm really excited to eat them and watch the Super Bowl later. Definitely. I say go Chiefs. I would agree with you, man. i got to pick the Chiefs. Uh, it is a little tough because Tampa Bay has three uh, former Nebraska players That's on it. right, yeah. That's the one thing, but uh, i I got to pull for the Chiefs today. So, But, yeah, man, it was uh, good chatting with you as always. Uh, I hope you and your lady enjoy the game. Uh, reminiscing about last year when I had you guys over. So very fun. Very fun. But uh we'll do yeah, it again. Yeah, man. We will we will eventually do it again. You are correct. But uh That's right. good chat with you as always, man. And uh if you're listening out there, thank you. We appreciate it. Uh, continue the, the love and support. But uh that's all I got safe. for now, man. All right. Thanks everyone. Have a good evening. Peace. Take bro. care.